0: This is John Bernadovich. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. You can also take the HR Like a Boss survey at willery.com forward slash hrlab. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. On today's episode, I am joined by Ben Eubanks. I had the pleasure to meet Ben just a couple years ago as he was the keynote speaker for an HR tech event that we did on human resources and the impact of artificial intelligence. Ben is the chief research officer for Lighthouse Research and Advisory. He just founded the HR tech awards and he is the host of the We Are Only Human podcast. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you very much, John. I'm excited to be here.
0: Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you have your hands full. Plus, I know there's several other things in your life. So why don't you tell our audience that doesn't know much about Ben, who you are and what you're currently working on?
1: So I'm a, I'm an author. I'm a researcher. I'm a speaker. live in Huntsville, Alabama. We have four kids, 10 and under. So that's that in itself probably will be enough to keep you busy with virtual school and everything else these days. But um, we're we're doing some new, interesting research right now at Lighthouse on kind acquisition, Learning and development, employee mobility—how we move them in the business—we're um, actually building a, this really interesting assessment um, for one of the other, one of the other, other, other things that I'm doing in the space right now. We're building an assessment called My HR Fit that allows HR leaders to understand their strengths and how they relate to the work that we do in HR, so they can find the best culture to fit themselves into, find the best role to fit themselves into. Um, so there's, there's lots of fun things going on over here. And I can't wait for the conversation because when I think of doing HR like a boss, you're one of the people I think of, John. So I'm excited to dive into the discussion and share, but also learn from you.
0: Well, thank you for the compliment. I'm blushing over here for those that are listening in. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I marvel as someone that a uh, serial entrepreneur and probably uh, I've, got, I've got some adult attention deficit challenges where I've, I'm always trying to do something else or more. Uh, sounds like you, you have certainly uh, set the trend for uh, multitasking and having uh, many things, many balls in the air at the same
1: time. Yes, absolutely. Thankfully, I've now for a long time, it was just me carrying all those balls and trying to juggle. And it's a challenge. And I have some good team members now that I'm able to delegate to and you know, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, congratulations.
0: <laughs> I want to I want to dive back in a little bit. Uh, so four kids under the age of 10 and they're all in virtual school. So that means five to ten.
1: So, the four-year-old is in mom's school. All right, she's she's working with her on her all of her stuff. But the other three are are in school virtually, and we are making that slog right now fridays actually behind the scenes tip for you fridays are my day where i i am off work because i am virtual school dad so science and math and all those things are my domain and and i i jump in and, and help out it's also sanity day for my wife to, to be able to re recoup and recover a little bit uh, prepare for the following week good
0: for you for doing that no and i, I know uh, as hard and disruptive as that feels my guess is you'll look back on that year and say gosh i'd, I'd like to have that time back when the kids are all Grown up, or don't want anything to do with uh, dad. At some point, that day is coming. I know. I my 13-year-old and 11-year-old still like me, sort of. Um, <laughs> so I want to keep that going as long as I can. But I know the day is coming where I'm going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be as cool or or as likable
1: to my kids. So. All right. Well, eventually, like I've always heard, like they'll they'll come to this point where they think, well, you know, dad doesn't know anything, and then when they get, you know, the mid 20s, like wow, dad knew everything. So I'm, it'll just like press pause until that point gets here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I remember, I remember that feeling about my dad and mom as well. So, and uh, came around full circle. So that's awesome. Well, good luck with all that, that you have going on. And and for those uh, that are listening or watching, uh, please check out Ben online. Uh, obviously you can, you can find him through his website as well as on LinkedIn. Uh, super awesome intellect. I know uh, when he did the presentation back a, a few years ago, uh, he made AI as practical and as consumable for the HR professional as possible. So, and I know there's been a ton of, a ton of things that have happened even since then uh, as technology and, and AI and all that uh, evolved. So um, as, as we do with all the guests on the show, kind of season one, I start off with the question of, tell me what you would describe as the purpose of human resources. How, how would you fill in those blanks, Ben?
1: In a nutshell, it's really about bringing together the needs of the people and the needs of the business, so they can serve each other. Um, you know, people, we need work. We're built to work, right? We're, that's what we're we're designed to do, and we need a place to do that. And the business is there to to give us a way to do that. At the same time, it's a way for companies to, to be able to fill in fill in all the slots and, and serve customers or everything else. So I think it's a really, it's easy to see it as like a hierarchical thing where the, the company is more important, but really HR is about trying to make sure those scales are balanced.
0: Yeah, I know. I love how you said that, the hierarchy. I think a lot of times people feel that, folks in HR feel that, especially when they're always fighting or I hear at times fighting for the seat at the table. It feels like it's an upward battle or uphill battle, I should say. So I'm just curious as to, what do you think are some of the the challenges that uh, HR faces when trying to achieve, as you call it, kind of bringing the people in the organization together? What, what what do you think are the challenges they face?
1: Uh, I'm going to give you a clue. Well, you're, you're over 10 years old, so you already know this. But uh, anyone who hasn't run across this yet, I'll give you a hint. Humans are messy. Humans are hard. Uh, we're difficult to deal with sometimes. And so HR is about trying to take this, this thing that's hard to work with, right? When we say talent, we think, okay, we got skills, we got all these abilities, but you forget that there's there's emotions and everything else that makes it uh, less clean and clear cut. And at the same time, the business goal is profitability. how do we how do we how do we make sure that we're we're profitable enough to remain open and continue serving this community and continue providing these jobs and everything else? And so that those are some challenges because those things are not always in alignment. But the, the good news is there's been some, some turnaround in the last few years. There was a great, um, some research on the CEO roundtable where they said, hey, our highest profit, I'm sorry, our highest calling isn't profit anymore, right? It's, it's something higher than that. It's about the people. And so it excites me to think that maybe now, maybe in the next 10-year period, it's going to be the best opportunity for us to really make an impact um, on, the, on the business, on the people in a way we couldn't in the past.
0: Yeah, how cool you remind me of I uh, just had a conversation yesterday in a book club that I'm in, uh, in regards to infinite game, Simon Sinek's, I don't know if you've I'm read sure. that book or not, but uh, yeah. really kind of pur- purpose driven mindset, um, the importance of it and how actually the data shows how much more effective and profitable purpose driven companies are, they put purpose before you know, people before the profit, right purpose first people then profit. Pretty fascinating the the outcomes that, that can come out of that as opposed to being myopically focused on short-term quarter current quarter revenue targets or profitability. You can make some very short-sighted, uh, damaging, long-term damaging decisions in that yes. regard. For sure. So what do you think, what do you think gets in the way, right? What do you think gets in the way of of an organization being able to appropriately balance that, Ben, that that kind of people before profit. Kind of aligning that purpose what, what, do, what do you think what do you think causes organizations to to struggle with that
1: well again it's if you if you've been trained if you've gone to you know business school and you were trained to look at roi of everything then you want to filter everything through that that lens and sometimes as you're saying the, the thing we're going to do today it may help our people it may inspire them for you know, for seasons to come but it's going to cost us something and if we can't say well we're gonna put in a dollar and get a dollar fifty out. Leaders are hesitant to make those choices. They're not sure if they want to make that call, and so I think that's the, the big the big part there. And that's why it's coming on us as HR leaders to to take the stand to say, "Okay, I'm gonna build a business case for this thing. We're gonna invest in this, and here's the outcome we're gonna get." There, I'm gonna back that up with evidence with data. That's one of the one of the fun conversations I've had in the last few years is more discussions around evidence based HR. There's nothing wrong with kind of going with your gut in some in some moments but when you're trying to really pitch an idea you're trying to sell someone on a new path you're trying to make someone do something they've never done you've got to use some evidence to back that up and there's there's plenty of it out there that's one of the reasons i love research so much that i do you know as part of my job day to day is because we're providing evidence that hr leaders can use to then get that investment make that decision you know, get that buy-in from their leadership team to make the right decision for the people yeah, I think that's awesome. Congratulations on that work, because I know that
0: oftentimes it's some of the things that HR is trying to accomplish hasn't been measurable before. They haven't been able to put a quantity on certain things around culture, let's use it as an example, or putting purpose before um, profit. And I think it's paramountly important to kind of consider that as, as an organization kind of drives to, again, achieving the results. So um, I, I guess, Ben, if I can just dig in a little bit there on that subject, are there are there particular evidence, items, and data that you're seeing that HR leaders are really using to kind of perpetuate this purpose-driven organization, this kind of where HR is meant to be in balancing between uh, the people and the organizational initiatives? What, what are some of those data points that you're seeing?
1: There's actually a lot of research. There's been tons of studies done in the last few years that show, for example, that engagement as a score leads to business outcomes when people are connected and again anyone listening to this just close your eyes for a second think about this think about a time where you're working a job where your manager cared about you they were developing your skills and growing you you were excited to come to work every day right when you showed up you did a better job than the person who didn't feel like they care they worked for that boss who sucked honestly right you were doing better work so we know anecdotally, right? instinctively, that, that leads to better outcomes. There's a lot of data out there now that show when people are excited about coming to work, when they are inspired, when they are engaged, that's going to lead to better interaction with customers. It's going to lead to higher safety because they're actually paying attention. It's going to lead to better shareholder value, right? profitability. Those numbers do come out in the end. And that's one of the conversations we're going to be having with our leadership teams is it's not just about, let's get an engagement you know, by two points for its own sake because no one cares. Not a single leader out there is going to say, yay, we got engagement up. But if you went to your CEO's office and said, hey, our engagement score is up 2% this quarter, historically, that means that our profitability is also going to be at 1% because when people are happier, they're serving our customers better, and our profitability goes up. Well, suddenly, your CEO is like, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. Let's understand that. And they'll, they'll really want to dive into it. And that's not a conversation they're, at, they're inviting you into. You are inviting them into that. You are leading that. And that's a fun place to be. Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And one of the main things that caused me to want to write this book was just studying and diving into Gallup 12 and seeing the the, the lack of engagement uh, organizationally that you saw. I mean, the data is just scary, right? I mean, I've seen 66 to 80% of employees are some form of fashion not engaged, uh, but those that are, again, drive that profitability. So I think that's uh, terribly important. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that too with the research that you're doing. Um, So I just want to segue a little bit into kind of the impact so a couple areas I know we talked about in advance of today was kind of getting to know your company studying it the best you can to find things that, that make it work and hum as well as managing a number of distractions that can happen so curious if you can just dive into a little bit more on on those sections because those are those are two cornerstones of uh, chapter four in my book about being different about being able to manage your distractions and study your company so tell, tell me tell me your perspective on that Ben
1: we'll start with the, the know your company piece because that one i've got a story that'll probably make you smile and some other things that i've learned through the you know, the 10 plus years i've been serving as an hr leader so um i run a blog and i get questions from people all the time like hey I'm, I'm going for an interview how to repair everything else and i got some i got an uh, someone reached out to me a few years ago i said hey i'm going for an interview with this company any advice i gave her some tips and things i said let me know how it goes and sometimes I hear back sometimes I don't and she actually followed up later and said hey I got the job and I said that is so awesome you know congratulations I'm, I'm proud of you and you could do it you know all the rah-rah the things and she said but you'll never guess what happened I'm like okay you got the job so it couldn't have been that bad so what happened she said well I'm, I'm sitting there it's it, I'm working at this. I'm trying to get a job as an HR generalist at this company that does rubber manufacturing. They take they take raw materials and they make they make rubber tires and things like that. And the CEO looks at me and says, What do you think is the reason for our rising capital costs every year? And again, she, this is an HR person. This isn't your CFO, right? This isn't your head of operations. This is an HR professional that's trying to get an HR role. And he said, Why are our capital costs going up every year? I scrambled. She's like, "Well, I guess rubber doesn't grow on trees." And if you're familiar with rubber, it actually does come from a tree. It is. It, is, it comes out of uh, out of a plant. And so we laughed about that. She's like, "I got the job in spite of that." She said the CEO laughed so hard when she said it, but they they got around to a conversation about why talent matters and how it can fit into the, fit into that, that conversation around around the costs and the ongoing you know cost of the organization. But it is my reminder that like, we need to get. We need to understand what the company's doing, how it makes money, how it serves customers, the products, services it delivers, things like that, because that enables us to adapt the most expensive resource on the books, the people, any line item for a company, the top line item in terms of the cost is the people, how much we pay them, the benefits, everything else that goes with that. It helps us align that with the things that the company needs to do to get those customers served, to get those products out the door, to get those services delivered. And uh, let me give you a quick example. I had a chance last week to talk to the head of recruiting and the chief nursing officer for Mercy Healthcare. So they're a Midwest hospital hospital chain. And they were talking about how they were able to adapt and overcome some of the challenges in the last year they've been facing as an organization in the healthcare space. and. The thing that got me, I'm, sort of, I'm kind of quizzing them back and forth in this conversation. And the thing that got me is they spent so much time interacting with each other that the recruiting leader could guess what this chief nursing officer was going to say when they brought a problem to the table, and vice versa. When the chief nursing officer had an issue or something, she's like, I can already guess how she's going to solve this because they spent so much time together. They built such a deep relationship. So I would encourage you if you're like, okay, this is a cool idea, right? I should know the business, but how? Spend time, build those relationships, connect with your leaders in the business, because that's going to enable you to have better conversations. They might just drop something off right? You're having lunch with someone like, man, you know, we're really struggling with this safety issue over here on our on our assembly line. We keep having people have this issue and we keep failing our audits. And well, suddenly that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, what levers can I pull from an HR or a talent perspective that might impact that? Maybe it's we're asking more questions in interviews about safety to hire people who care about it. Or maybe it's we're looking at our incentives. How do we reward people for doing the right things? Or maybe it's training. If our training stinks. it's not impactful, it's passive. Let's look for better ways to do it. So you start looking at those levers you can pull to really impact that. So that's the that's the know the business piece. I'll take a second and talk about the, the distraction piece because you said a minute ago, John, like you're a little bit of adult ADD. I am all over the place. I have, I tell everybody ideas are easy. Execution is hard. I can come up with all these ideas, but it's hard to sometimes carry all them out. One thing I'll say though, on this kind of distractions and getting things done is there's a ton of research that's been validated that shows when something happens, you're sitting there, you're working and your phone beeps, right? You're sitting there working and that Slack channel pops up. You're sitting there working and you get the text message or you get that you know pop-up that says, hey, someone's talking about you on Facebook, whatever else when you stop to look at that, it doesn't just take you that two minutes to look at that and go back to work. It takes you on average 25 minutes to refocus as deep as you were before that interruption happened. So if you do that 10 times a day, that's 250 minutes that you're losing in heart and core focus that you could be using to actually do those things that need to get done. So there's a couple of different things there. I don't know which one jumps out at you most, but those are a couple of different things there to think through, get those those things out of your way. In, in the book Deep Work, uh, Cal Newport talks about how to focus, how to get those things done. And most of us, for, for honest, are kind of doing some surface level stuff or spending a lot of time checking email. If you would like a good book recommendation besides that one, there's a book I read a couple of years ago called Two Awesome Hours. And it's written by a doctor, he looks at how our brains work, and how to align your work in ways that actually enable you to get the right things done, not just to be productive, inbox zero, spending all your time running emails, because most of us can't do hundred percent of our jobs, they leaders in an email inbox. We need other things to do. And so it helps you to really prioritize your time and use it effectively. So sorry, that was a big, a big long winded answer to your, your question, but hopefully there's some good takeaways there for everybody listening in.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. There were a couple of them that really stood out to me. I'll, I'll uh, recap here at the end. Cause I know uh, for, for my, my audience, I, I try, I try to uh, cheat a little bit at the end and give them all the, the highlights. And, and there's, there's a bunch of them here from, from what you shared, but, uh, really for me, it reminds me of, uh, I read an article not too long ago, that was uh, a recap of the seven habits, uh, Stephen Covey's classic book, and uh, first things first, and it it puts in quadrants, right, unimportant, most important. And uh, one of the things you mentioned was about building relationships, right, building relationships is such an important part of being effective at what you do. And I think oftentimes uh, a lot of people, not just HR, really tactic driven, don't have time to cultivate that rapport or relationship to get to know someone because at the end of the day, that relationship ends up being something you can transcend your work. And at the same time, you really understand the person and what they're trying to get accomplished. In your example of uh, the talent talent resource and the head of nursing, uh, really understood and they could talk kind of, in in harmony with each other. So I really appreciate that context. So super smart guy. I know you've had a lot of life lessons uh, since you started your your career. I'm I'm wondering Ben if you could go back to the younger the younger self when you first started your career. What 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 free advice would you give yourself then, knowing what you know now?
1: What free advice? I'd make myself pay for it. Um, <laughs> the The advice I would give probably is just to go for it. Um, I was super cautious, I was worried about what everybody else thought, I was worried I'd make the wrong step, things like that. And I have found over time that, yes, we do things that are high stakes, we handle things that are compliance oriented, we handle things that we, we can't mess up because everyone's, everything's riding on it. But a lot of times, I should have pushed the boundaries a little bit more. I should have explored a little more. And so I encouraged some more boldness about experimenting, things like that. One of the one of the people I started following when I first got into the field, all these years ago, he's not even in HR anymore. He doesn't write anymore. And I, I really miss him because he was so inspiring and encouraging. One of the key tenets, though, for how he encouraged people was treat your people like guinea pigs, right? always be experimenting with something, always be looking for ways to serve them better, always look for, and be testing out some new idea, because you'll find lots of them that don't work, but you'll find some that do. And that's the thing that I would encourage myself to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's it's so, I mean, again, my data is having done about 30 of these interviews with uh, other HR professionals. That is the most common answer that I get to that question. It's, and I'm not going to use your term of lack of confidence, but maybe there was some aspect of it. You're your not willingness to go for it, to me, has some level of, I'm new, everybody else here is not, I don't know enough about this stuff. And so I lacked confidence. And in, in one case, I had uh, one executive share that uh, she just wasn't willing to ask questions. She felt un, un, you know uncomfortable asking questions because she thought any question would be deemed as, well, you don't know what you're doing. When in theory, that's the only way you can learn, right? And creating that safe place to do that and being able to go forward, making mistakes and tripping and getting up and realizing what I did and how I can do it better the next time. So a lot there to it. I appreciate appreciate that insight. That's awesome. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. My favorite uh, question uh, as it relates to the HR Like a Boss podcast, because it's about branding the concept of doing amazingly awesome HR and making an impact on the business, on the employees, on the community. So if you had to describe someone that does HR Like a Boss, how would you do that, Ben?
1: I want to describe this generic person, I'll describe a real person. So the first manager I ever had that really taught me HR and the way it should be practiced, she did two things that actually tied really well with our conversation today. She knew the people intimately. Right, Someone had some issue going on in their personal life, she was aware of it, so that she could figure out how can we serve them. She also knew the business, though. She became the COO eventually when I was promoted to be the head of HR, and she knew both of those things and how to pull the right levers the right time to get them to align in a way that, honestly, I still don't fully understand how she did it. But really, really caring about the people, really focusing on them, but not giving you know the things the business needs, the things that business expects out of us as business leaders. Not just I'm wearing an HR hat, but I'm a business leader at this at this table. Right, as you were saying earlier she really balanced those things really well and that is the thing that i continuously aspire to the thing that i encourage everybody out there you want to be HR like a boss focus on the people focus on the business serve them both well and it's going to pay off
0: yeah it's awesome yeah you 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 found your way into the book my friend that was awesome i appreciate uh, you sharing those amazing insights i'll do a quick recap for those uh, just to kind of highlight some of ben's great comments so really uh, HR, in his opinion, is bringing the people in the organization together. Uh, it's a balance between people, profit, and purpose, ability to get engagement. Engagement leads to outcomes, and the data, the data drives that, right? You see, you see that in the data that, that Ben and his organization are working on. Really understanding how a company makes money and uh, what, what the customers need, what the people need. Spend time building relationships because those relationships with that comes knowledge and uh, longevity and something you can take even beyond your work, I think is really cool. Uh, also, avoid those distractions because every time you do, you lose 25 minutes. I'm going to think of that the next time I get distracted, Ben. And, oh my gosh, how long does it take me to recalibrate to get back to what I was doing before? So thanks for the, uh, the recommendation. Um, on also, books around deep work uh, and two, two awesome hours. So I'll, I'll check those out. And then uh, you ended with the uh, go for it kind of the uh, w- w- if you had a chance to start all over again, just to take more risk and, and go for it. Uh, and then you, you really echoed uh, some of the, the strong sentiments in the way that your, 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 your manager that you mentioned that ended up leading the organization you, you talked about, about really truly getting to know the people in the business, not just like casually, like just deeply understanding it so you can make really informed decisions. Because I think If you don't know both, then you cannot balance, have that appropriate balance between
1: organization and employees. So, Ben, I really appreciated you being on the show. It was awesome. Thank you so much, John. I can't wait to to see this thing come to fruition, the book, and all the great work you've been doing. It's going to be incredible. I'm excited.
0: Thank you, Ben. And continued success to you with all you have going on. And thank you to everyone for checking out today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with a friend. And until next time. Let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.